0: Ah, fill in the blank. Fill in the blank. You like those? We have a test today here. For to me to live is money. To die is to leave it all behind. Uh, That doesn't work, does it? Let's try another one. Fill in the blank. For to me to live is fame. And to die is to be forgotten. Uh, That's still not it, is it? Let's try another one. For to me, to live is power. All the power the world can give me. And to die is to lose it all. You can't complete that and make it come out right at the end. Because there is a death for everybody. Everybody dies. But to the Christian, and we're at really one of the, I think, a very, very important text today here I think it's very important that we grasp this although we already know it we've heard it many times we've read it many times for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain we filled in those blanks perfectly right and uh, that's, that's the point uh, it's all about Christ to live is Christ to die is is Christ. It's a, and it's even better. So He is my life is what Paul is saying here. He is my life. He's what it's all about. So Paul wants to magnify Him and His body while He's here in the flesh, while He's here walking on earth, and He wants to magnify Christ whenever He dies. And to Him, it really doesn't matter. Um, there's one thing, though. He has to stay on for these Philippians. and and others, and that's what this text will be dealing with. Um, But anyway, he recognized what this was all about, what life is all about. Most people miss this. Almost all people miss it, except Christians. I mean, Christians have a hard time really trying to grasp it. It's so simple, but very profound. And so what we come to today is that our lives are not only bring glory to Christ, and we've already seen that that's what that's all about. We know that. But we're also here for the benefit of the rest of the church. Now that's kind of phenomenal. We're really here for the benefit of the church or the people who will be in the church. And as Paul says, to live as Christ and to die as gain. And I'm going to stay around for the sake of the Philippian church. If I had it my way, I'd go to be with the Lord. But I'm really torn because, yes, but what about all these other people? And they, need to, and they need to know the Gospel. And they need to know how to live the Gospel. And they need to be discipled. So Paul really has a, uh, an issue that he's torn with. And we know that his motivation is not from selfish reasons at all. Whenever you could say, well, I, I just want to go be with the Lord. I don't care about the rest of things. You know. I want to go and I want to go now. And that's kind of a good attitude in the sense you're ready to go, you want to go, but then there's also the unselfishness of, yeah, but what about the people here that are needing you? And so that's where Paul is at, and he saw that they were very needy, and it was more needful for him to stay around a while longer, and even while he's in prison. And even though it doesn't seem like he's doing anything, we've already seen that, yes, he is. God is using him in a a big way of being able to uh, get the gospel across to the Praetorian Guard and right into Caesar's household and all the people that came there in Rome to uh, his prison. Uh, But at the time, the Philippians are in need, and so he sets himself aside for their sake. And that's really what the letter of Philippians is dealing with matter of fact, I think it's kind of what the whole gospel is dealing with. Once we come to Christ, we are to set aside ourselves. Forget yourself, take up the cross, follow Christ, right? That is the Christian life. And so, I must set aside myself. Me, myself, and mine. And that's what life is all about, right? It's all about me, it's whatever I want, and that's, uh, that's the way I live. Well, that's not ultimate joy. <laughs> You'll never find your joy there. But the ultimate joy is the more you die to self. Let's stand and let's read uh, the text here today. In Philippians chapter 1 is where we're at. And uh, we pick it up in verse 21. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me. And I do not know which to choose. But I am hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. Yet, to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that your proud confidence in me may abound in Christ Jesus through my coming to you again. Let's pray. Father, what a powerful text this is. And it is our lives. To live is Christ. And we want to be able to benefit the rest of the body of Christ and for people who need the Gospel. And may we see that great need as we look at this text today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, we get right to the theme here. Verse 21, we kind of worked with it last week. And it's a great lead-in into the, this ending section here. Um, to live as Christ. True life means knowing Him. It means loving Him, serving Him, glorifying Christ, fellowshipping with Christ, communing with Christ. That's part of the joy of of the Christian life. That's really the Christian, Christian life. That's what true life is. It means knowing Him, loving Him, serving Him, glorifying Him, fellowshipping with Him, communing with Him. That's a load, isn't it? And that's what it's about. There's nothing more important than Jesus Christ. Nothing, right? Nothing more important. Fellowshipping with the Christ that we know is the greatest joy that there possibly could be. So if anybody ever gives you a pop quiz and saying, what's your greatest joy? It's fellowshipping with Christ, right? That's the greatest joy that we can possibly have. We know that. Now, the first part is true. This is a truth claim. We know that as Christian. Anybody who's a Christian should be able to say that. Well, it's Christ. That's what my life is about. Okay, now we go on to the second part of that. Because that first part is true, to live as Christ. Then, what's the next part? Then death is gain. It's even better. We are ushered right into the presence of Christ. Right, right there, with Him. And to see Him is going to be an amazing thing. When we are in the presence of Christ, can you think of anything more enjoyable that we have even right now? There's nothing that we can think of. That's even better than uh, the life that we have now in the flesh. Uh, no more problems, no more sin in this world as far as we're concerned. We don't even bother with that. That's why it's gained, And that's why Paul can say way back in Acts chapter 21, which is around the time where this problem started of him being taken to prison and uh, he was warned not to go to Jerusalem. Don't go down there, Paul. They will arrest you. Watch out. The, the, The Jewish people are angry at you. You have caused such a stir. And Paul would say, oh, okay, uh, can you get me out of here? Let's, let's head anywhere, where, you know, I don't care. Let's go to Joppa. <laughs> let's just don't go to Jerusalem. Well, Paul didn't say that. He said, let's go for it. Let's, let's go to Jerusalem. I mean, Paul, is that the wisest thing? Paul answered and said, hey, hey, what are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but even to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. I'm ready to die. 'Cause if they if they take me, then I graduate. He <laughs> you know? can't lose either way. I'm telling you why, Paul had quite the attitude. And that is Paul's proposition before us today. To live as Christ, to die as game. I think we would all agree if Christ were to come back right now and take us, we'd all want to go with Him, wouldn't we? I mean, right now. Why the delay? Who cares? You can say, yeah, i got to get a few things straightened out here first, though. <laughs> you know, i got to get a few bills paid. No, 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 no. We would want to... Now, let's go. Let's Let's do it, right? Hey, this life is okay. It is. I'm not trying to put a downer all the time. That it sounds like I am. Uh, There's just struggles in this life, but this this life is good. It's okay. God has has blessed us, even despite the sin that we have to battle. But to be in the presence of Christ would be much better than okay, wouldn't it? It would be great. It'd be fabulous. It'd be awesome. It'd be much better. It'd be gained. So there's our verse twenty-one. You know, and because we spent some time on it last week, uh, we'll move to verse 22. And now we get to a dilemma. We, we've seen here the theme. Here's the truth claim. All Christians would have to agree with this. If a Christian didn't agree with this, I'd have to question if they were really a Christian, right? To live as Christ, dies game But, dilemma. If I'm to live on in flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me. And I don't know which to choose. I really want to be with Christ, but there's still work to be done here, and God is still using me until that time. What do I do? What do I do? And when He says, uh, "If I am to live on in the flesh," sometimes flesh is a negative term. Oh, He's just He's living in the flesh. Look at Him, man. He's just sinning away. Look, look. You know, the flesh. Uh, in in this sense, though, it's not that. It is just talking about in this life. The life that I'm living. In this body as I'm here in this present world. As I'm living here on on the earth. This physical world. It's the human life I live by faith in Christ. It's being in the condition I am now in. And it's good just to uh, look at a couple of verses. You know, Galatians 2.20. I think everybody probably has memorized this or heard it many times. I have been crucified with Christ. Paul knew that. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, while I'm here on earth, while I'm in this body, yeah, I'm not with Him right now in in the physical sense, but while I'm in this physical sense now, away from Him, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself up for me. So that's a good thing to be thinking about. As we coil in this sinful world and we live here in a joyous way in this flesh, we live by faith in the Son of God. First Peter four two, Peter says something of the same sort. So, as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, as I'm here on earth the rest of this time, no longer for the lust of men but for the will of God. What are we here for on this earth? For the will of God. And if we would keep that in our mind every day, if you'd start your day with prayer saying, Lord, I'm here for your will. And I'm not here for my will, but for your will. Right? Now that's simple. You know what? Anything that I say today is not going to be anything really new. You're going to try to pick up something new here and it's going to be something you've already heard. But these are good reminders. And of course, Peter said that. He says, I, I write these things to you that you may be mindful of these things, that you may remember these things. So, And that's why it's good to, to come together and be reminded because we forget. And <clears throat> funny, the older you get, stir us up, stir us up. We need to be reminded, right? So let's be stirred up. Okay. Fruitful labor is what Paul is concerned with. He wants to be fruitful. If I'm to live on the flesh, this will remain fruitful labor for me, the phrase says. Fruitful. It's to, he's to be engaged in a fruitful work for Christ. The word labor there is uh, dealing with a root word, ergon or ergonis. It's dealing with a spiritual work. It's something that you really do, you work at, you labor at. He has a mission. Now, Epaphroditus is one of those guys that labored in doing missionary work. You don't hear too much about Epaphroditus, but you see him actually here in this particular book in uh, Philippians, very next chapter. Chapter 2, verse 30. Here's Epaphroditus. In the context, you'll see it in verse 25. I'm not going to read that, but I thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier. And Then drop down to verse 30. Because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was deficient in your service to me. Oh, wow. Uh, what a labor. He came close to death for the work of Christ, the labor of Christ. Being a Christian and being a missionary and being a servant and a slave, and that's all of us, right? We're all slaves. We are to work in the fields of grace and doing the spiritual work. Fruitful. What is fruitful? Fruitful labor. We just don't want to labor and nothing come out of it, right? We want to see something. So as you serve Christ, as you uh, be a slave of Him, we see that Paul gave us some ideas of being fruitful. In Romans chapter 1, he wanted to come to the Romans. He wrote to them and says, I want to come there and I want to see some fruit under his ministry. It says, verse 13, I do not want you to be unaware, brethren. Don't be ignorant here. I don't want you to be ignorant. I'm going to tell you this, that often I have planned to come to you. Oh, how many times have I planned to come to you? And have been prevented so far. So, why? Why do you want to go there, Paul? So that I may obtain some fruit among you also. What, they had some fruit there in Rome like oranges and 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 uh, uh, apples and, and, and such. Grapefruit. Did they have some things there that he couldn't get a hold of in other places? Is that the deal? <laughs> I want to get some fruit. He's talking about uh, even as among the rest of the Gentiles. He's talking about seeing people come to Christ. He's seeing discipling these people. Oh, you know, right in the, the heart of the uh, the whole Roman Empire is Rome and he wants to do that. What a place to go to. Well, um, if we were to go to Galatians 5.22, you know, we'll have to turn there. It's the, this is the fruit of the Spirit, right? The fruit of the Spirit. Here's the Holy Spirit that's in you. If you're a Christian, you have these things. Sometimes the fruit doesn't show, but it's there because the Holy Spirit's there and He, he wants you to bear much fruit. You know? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. Hebrews 13:15 is some uh, another example of fruit. Through him, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. You're in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews is written to Jewish people are people who would understand some of the sacrificial system. He's gone through that through these first 12 chapters. Chapter 13, um, he's explaining him uh, to people that, hey, listen, uh, here's what it is now. Here's how we offer up sacrifices. It's not through the blood of bulls and goats and lambs. It is how continually, always, just like the priest would do constantly, every day, offering up those animals. Now what do we do? Continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That's what we do. Aren't you glad that we don't have to bring an animal in here and slay that? It would be very difficult. They probably wouldn't let us do that here anyway. So we, we praise God. Much better. And that's the fullest. That's the completion. We come in here offering up a sacrifice of praise. What is that? It's the fruit of lips. Being able to speak. When you have read Scripture this morning and said congregational praises to God and prayed and sung, you are actually offering up <clears throat> sacrifice of praise from the fruit of lips. And what does it do? It gives thanks to His name for everything about Him. We're giving thanks. We're stirring up memories of who God is and His attributes. We're stirring up memories of the work of what He has done. And uh, so as we do those things, it's very important, the sacrifice that comes from our lips. We're actually praising God and do you know He is pleased with that when we do that? He is absolutely taking pleasure when His people give Him praise. Because he's doing that. Okay, let's go back to the Old Testament in Psalm seventy-one. Verse 17 and 18. O oh God, you have taught me from my youth, and I still declare your wondrous deeds. I declare those. See, that's that's sacrifice that's coming from the lips. That's what God wants. And even when I am old and gray, oh God, do not forsake me, because I want to keep doing this, until I declare Your strength to this generation, Your power to all who are to come. God, I have always praised You from... Way back when, whenever I was a youth, I want to continue to do that even when I'm old and gray and starting to get senile and can't think right and start to lose my memory. God, let me be able to continue to praise You so that the generation underneath me can understand what praise is. How about that? Does that make sense? That's what David is saying. You think David knew how to praise God? Oh boy, did he ever. I'm not so sure who wrote Psalm 71. I said David could have been. Um, in my Bible, it doesn't tell me if he did or not, but I'll use his name anyway. <laughs> Whoever it is, they love to praise God. I have a great praise there. Uh, let's go to Isaiah chapter 38. <clears throat> verse 10. And here's Hezekiah. I said in the middle of my life, God was going to take Hezekiah a little bit earlier. I am to enter the gates of Sheol in the middle of my life. Maybe 30 years old. I don't know the age there. I should go back. but I am to be deprived of the rest of my years. Now look at that. God, You're going to take me. You're going to take me in the middle of my life. Uh, You know, I'm going to go to Sheol, I'm going to be deprived of the rest of my years, I'm not going to have any more. Drop down a little bit further and look in verse 18. And he starts reasoning with God, and he says, For Sheol cannot thank you. If I go to Sheol, I can't continue to praise to thank you. Death cannot praise you. Lord, if you take me out early, I'm not going to continue to be able to do this. Those who go down to the pit cannot hope for Your faithfulness. When I'm there, when my body is taken down into the grave, Lord, uh, Your faithfulness is, is lacking there compared to what it is now. It's the living who give thanks to You as I do today. If I'm living, Lord, I can continue to give thanks. A father tells his sons about Your faithfulness. I can continue to tell my sons about how faithful of a God you are. Huh? Anyway, that's, he, he wanted to continue to praise God and continue to uh, show how faithful God was to his, uh, the generation under him and, and his children. And so it's like saying, Lord, they, they can't hear me. If I'm dead... And Lord, they can't hear me if I'm in the grave. Lord, they can't hear me if I'm in the pit. My children here won't know of your faithfulness. Uh, I've, until I continue to preach this message, Lord, let me do it. Leave me here until I have communicated who you are. I want to communicate the gospel. I want to communicate God. Now that is our purpose, isn't it? The fruit of our lips. Giving thanks to Him. Telling about His faithfulness and such. That is what we do. That's what life is about. That's living in Christ. Fruit comes from work. We must labor. And then fruit comes. And then God gets the glory. Wow. That's an effective kind of work that Paul was really wanting. He had a strong desire for that. Hard to choose. Hard to choose. I don't know which to choose. I can be with Christ right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, (laughs) that's what we want. That's what we're shooting for, right? But, these people here who I proclaim the Gospel to and there's so much work to be done. Look at the fruit. I know the fruit that can come out of this. I know it. I know what can... Boy, it's so good to be with Christ, though. But look at the... Uh, the it's just waiting. I mean, it's, it's right off the tree. Boom. I can take the fruit right off the tree. It's right there. It's waiting. Is he torn? He's torn. He's torn. He's torn. He's hemmed in on both sides as we look in verse 23. Um, but I am hard-pressed from both directions. The word here is sunechamai, hemmed in, pressured on both sides. It's like being on a narrow road and there are walls on both sides and you keep going down this road and you know you have to make a left and you can't make it because there's a wall there, there's a wall here. You can't do anything. You are headed for one direction and you're trapped and all of a sudden a wall comes here in front of you. (laughs) You're trapped on both sides. You can't move. You can't move, you can't turn. And there's people behind you. What do you do? I'm hemmed in on both sides. I'm hard pressed from both directions, Paul says. Lord, I want to be with You. I want to stay. Lord, I want to build Your church. I want to be with You, Lord, but I want to build Your church and I want to win people to Christ using Your Gospel. I don't know which one to choose. Is that where we're at? That's really where we should be at. I don't know which one to choose. I don't know what to choose. I don't know. I'm hard-pressed in both directions having the desire to depart and be the Christ for that is very much better. Yet to remain on the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Uh, at the end of verse 22, I do not know which to choose. I do not know. Uh, the phrase there or the word is norizo, and it means... In the positive sense, to reveal or to make it known, and he's saying it in a negative sense here. I can't make it known. I can't tell. I don't know. I, I I'm not for sure. I I, I just I can't see it. I don't know which to choose. I I can't see which to choose. Lord, I can glorify you here. I can do that. Or I can glorify You whenever I'm in Your presence. Now, these are good desires, aren't they? But I'm hard-pressed in both directions. Having the desire to depart. Sometimes that word desire can have a negative sense. And most often it is, like a after and such. But here it's a good term in the context. And it really means this is my desire. This is what I'm really, really shooting for. This is, this is what I want. Uh, I desire to depart. And the word is onelusis. And it means uh, to, I'll give you some word pictures. I'll give you three or even more. Uh, it's a dissolution of a chemical, a dissolving of a chemical. Take an aspirin, drop it in the water, and that aspirin goes into the water, and then really you can't see that aspirin anymore, really, can you? And it's there. The aspirin is still there, but you can't see it. It just dissolved. Into that. So, you, uh, when when that disappears, we know uh, the visage that we once saw is not there. And it's like our lives. Once we die, they can't see us anymore. Of course, we know the body is going to dissolve away too. But we, we, our spirit goes to be with the Lord. We just dissolve. It's a dissolving. Um, There's another uh, word picture. It's like the lifting of an anchor. Uh, It's used in a sailing type term. Uh, To move from one shore to another. If you've uh, seen the ocean and you've seen a boat go out and you've watched it for a long time and it's going to the horizon and then all of a sudden it's like it went off the face of the earth, right? And you can't see it anymore. And we know better that that didn't fall off the face of the earth. It just went to another shore eventually. That's, that's really where it's heading. Uh, so anyway, um, it seems to have disappeared, but it really didn't disappear, did it? And so that's what happens when we die. We, it, we look like we disappear. We can't see it. We can't hear it. But we know that the anchor is being set down on another shore. There's another word picture. And this is really good. And this is right out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Taking up of a tent. You have the tent pegs in and everything. And uh, now it's time to go. You get those tent pegs up. You pack that tent up. And you go. You take the tent pegs and you leave. You fold it up. Put it on your camel. And you just go right on through the sand on to the next place. Look in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. And boy, this is a great text that goes right along with our text in Philippians today if you're talking about living and dying. and Dying in the flesh. And uh, it's a great uh, passage on what death really is and assurance of that we'll be resurrected. Verse 1, For we know that if the earthly tent, right here, this body, it's my earthly tent. I'm tabernacling in this tent. You know this is the the synagogue. this is the temple this is actually it's a tent because it's something that's just temporary. A tent is something that you pick up, move along, you're only going to be there for a short time You move on. A tent is not meant to be a, a dwelling place forever, right So an earthly tent, what a great analogy, which is our house, okay this is what we live in for right now. We know that when it's torn down. Finally, the pegs are going to have to be taken up, tent packed up. We have a building from God. A house not made with hands that's eternal in the heavens. So it is a building. It is permanent. It's something. It's talking about being with Christ. Living right with Him in His physical presence. That's what we're talking about. Something that is eternal, that is, that is permanent. Um, he is the temple himself, isn't he? He is the one. Now, verse 2. For indeed, in this house, in this tabernacle, this tent, we groan. Here's what we're doing in this present lifetime right now. This explains everything. And it tells us, we can think of Genesis 3 if you've been part of the Monday night Bible study, right? Genesis 3. We groan because of the sin. Longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven. We long for that. So here we are here, and there we will be. I long to be there. I groan to be there. It's like Paul saying, you know, oh, uh, to be in, with Christ, you know that. And So this tells us what's happening in our lives right now. Verse four: For indeed, while we are in this tent, we groan being burdened because we do not want to be unclothed but to be clothed. A permanent dwelling. That's what we're after. So that what is mortal will be swallowed up by life. Now He who prepared us for this very purpose is God who gave to us the Spirit as a pledge. Isn't that good to know that while we live here, we have the Holy Spirit who has pledged, He has guaranteed us a permanent dwelling. Makes you think of John 14. I prepare a place for you. Therefore, being always of good courage, right now, always of good courage, and knowing that while we are at home in the body, okay, this is where we live. We live in this, this body that we're incarcerated in. While we're at home here, what's happening? Well, we're absent from the Lord. It's not that He's not with us. But, you know, we can't see Him. We're not physically with Him. We're absent. So we're at home in the body, but we're absent from the Lord. That tells us something also about soul sleep here. When you die, you're not going to soul sleep. You're going to go right directly into the presence of God. For we walk by faith, not by sight. That's what's happening right now. We're walking by faith. We can't see. We are good courage, I say. And prefer rather to be absent from the body. This is what we really prefer. did not this sound like Paul in Philippians? And to be at home with the Lord. Our real home is where? With the Lord. Right now our home is right here, but it's just a tent. And it's just going to be a tent. That's, a, that's the best we get. It's a tent. It's not permanent here. Therefore, we also have our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to Him. Okay. There's more to that. But um, the idea here is, another word picture is the freeing of a prisoner. A prisoner is under bonds and chains. And uh, another word picture is unloading of an animal that has a burden Taking that burden off. Or it means solving a problem. How many word pictures we use there? A good six, seven of them? Something like that? Uh, That's the idea of that word depart. I'm not going to labor you with any more of what depart means. I think we get the idea. I think we didn't even really have to have those. But it helps. I like that idea of the tent though. Boy, you know. that's uh, Right on. But that's that's the idea of that uh, Greek word. Desire to depart and be with Christ we explain that. That's, that's the whole issue. That's a welcome thing. A personal, intimate, complete, unhindered, conscious fellowship with Christ. Totally unhindered. We're, we're kind of hindered here in, in this body. Um, there are uncertainties here in this life. There are dangers. And um, we know that one day we'll leave this world. So we are having a uh, biblical teaching on what death really is a Christian's worldview on death and dying and resurrection and such, resurrection of the body, which ultimately will come. That is truth that we have here. We don't have to be wondering, oh, we'll just be kind of floating out in the clouds out there somewhere, you know, (laughs) trying to find our Godhood, right? Probably one of the greatest verses in the Bible, this uh, text that we're dealing with, uh, that teaches when you leave this world, you're immediately in the presence of Christ. Saw it there in Second Corinthians five. We see it here in Philippians chapter one. Many funerals have been have used this text. We know we'll go to be immediately with Christ. Point is, whether you're alive in this world or whether you are not alive in this world, you're living together with Him. Your life is Christ. That's the point. Whether you awake in this life, whether you are there, or whether you are asleep in this life, you died, your body is dead, but you live together with Him. Now, we get the solution. We get the dilemma. We see the dilemma that Paul has and now he brings forth his solution. Verse 24. Yet, to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. And here's the question we ask. Let's ask ourselves this question. Are you convinced of the truth claim of verse 21? For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Are you convinced of that? Do you really believe it? I think the challenge for all of us, and I think every day, is that we need to believe this even more and more so. He wouldn't be having this argument with himself if he didn't believe this, would he? He wouldn't have an argument. There wouldn't be a reason for an argument. But he has his argument going back and forth, and then he comes up with the solution. Do you believe, do I believe, the same thing that the Apostle Paul believes in verse 21? Well, we should. Because if you look at everything in your life, you look at everything. And everything that has to do with your life, with this verse in mind, it will make sense in the things that are happening around your lives, at least in the sense you may not have the absolute perfect answer for the moment, but you have the big picture of it all and you know that, hey, here's where it's at. Regardless of what I deal with, Christ is my life. And I don't care what happens. He's controlling this and this is okay. This is okay. It can dramatically change the way we look at things. All the different dilemmas like we mentioned here, the dilemmas in our lives that come. And if we would go back and look at that verse, this verse may stick in your mind a little bit more fresher than it ever did before. Not because I proclaim it, because a week from now... Tomorrow you probably won't even remember hardly any words that I even said here today. And that's okay. But if you can remember this, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain, that's all that we ask and and remember just the Scripture here. You know, line upon line, precept upon precept. How many um, sermons have you ever memorized from people like uh, uh, Piper and MacArthur and Sproul and, and you go on and on with all of our favorites, Alistair Beggs and what have you, Ligon Duncan, you know them. How many of those can you repeat verbatim? Probably none of them. Unless you have a great memory like Spurgeon or somebody. But the thing is, there uh, there are different teachings that people build upon that. And this is the live and active thing that does make the difference. So it's the Word of God and the Spirit of God. And He will make those verses come to mind when we need them the most. And so if you can think on this verse, that's why I say it's so important. Even though you've heard this many times, it's so important to be able to draw upon this because it makes... Things make sense when God doesn't make sense. <laughs> do you understand that? I'm not so sure I do. <laughs> um, do we believe Philippians one twenty one? Now, the Philippians needed him, and it was necessary at that time for them to have Paul. God wasn't done with Paul yet in Philippi. It was necessary. So we look in Philippians chapter 2 verse 3 and 4 and we see how selfless Paul was as he makes this statement. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. Uh, Nothing from selfishness. But with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves Sure, do not merely look out for your own personal interest we must do that but also for the interests of others we won't go any further because when we get to that next text we'll be there in a few weeks and that is the epitome of humility but it was selfless for Paul to say such a thing I'd rather go to be with the Lord but I want to tell you something I am needed here for you guys what an attitude. The uh, idea of remaining. We've used that word minnow a lot, haven't we? Well, here the word is minnow And para means to come alongside, parallel, right? Alongside. Minnow remains, uh, means to remain, to stick around, to remain alongside you. And so the compound word here, yet for me to stay alongside you, even though he's in jail, he's alongside him, but uh, you know, as, as he would want to see them again even too. Here is the deal. Commenced to this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress. Continue with you all for your progress. We've seen this word before. And it's a military word. Or it's like a pioneer blazing a trail. To blaze the trail for the ones that would be coming later. It's blazing a trail for an army. Getting out all the obstacles out of the way as the army can come along and do their duty as they progress. I'm here that you would progress that I'd get all that litter and all the junk and the stuff out of the way so you can make progress I know I'm going to remain around to blaze a trail because the Christian army is coming along and it's going to march to victory that's what Paul saw and so whenever he sees this kind of fruit he says okay I can handle this I can stick around there's fruit to be, uh, to be seen here. Boy, I'd like to be with the Lord. <laughs> but here's what I've got to do right here. This is great. And, and look at it. He's not talking about Himself here. But He's talking about the church. We exist not only for the glory of Christ, but for the rest of the bride of Christ. For the rest of the body of Christ for their progress. We are put in time and in place, not by accident, to be with God's people at this specific time so that other people would progress. You are here for other people. Have you thought of it that way? You have a ministry. You have a serving. You have a job to do. And it's that people would increase, that they would progress as the army goes marching on to victory. Make it better for them, right? Paul knew that somehow. I don't think it was an extra biblical revelation he had there. I think he's putting things together here and seeing how God is working here. Um, God could have told him, he says, okay, you're going to be around. But I, I think he knows because this is how, what God has done. He says, I'm convinced of this. I'm seeing what God has done here and what he wants to do through me. Uh, he wants not only to the Philippians to progress, but he wants them to have joy in the faith. That's exciting, isn't it? I'm going to stick around so that you can progress. And you can have joy. Joy like you've not had before. We are here for the joy of others. Huh. If it was for Paul, then have you thought of yourself being placed here on earth, and here it is, the year 2012, and you're here to bring joy to other people. What do you guys think of that? Is that true? Is that true of us or just of Paul? Paul? We don't usually think of that. We usually think, "Oh, I'm going to try to get as much joy as I can out of today that I that I can get." Well, that's good, but we're to bring joy to others. Wow! By the way, an acronym. I, I used this a long time ago. I haven't done it in a long time. I I, I think it's right. I'll, I'll throw it out anyway. J for joy, Jesus. Oh, what's that? Others. And why? You. Yourself. Jesus first. Others. So you live for Jesus Christ and for others and then yourself. You look in Philippians 2, you see the same kind of thing happening there, don't you? Wow. This is against the grain. And you know, you can go to... uh, You could probably go to a bar a nightclub, and people gather around so they can communicate with each other, tell tales, and probably be getting drunk at the same time. But they have this kind of, somewhat of a fellowship going there. There's something they have in common. They they want to be able to relate to each other. And so, that's the best example. Be. I mean, that's the best. They work all day, and then for the weekend, or through the... Through the week. That's what they do. That's what they live for. They 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 want to go with other people and they want to be able to talk with each other, communicate, have a really good time, spread the joy, you know. That's as close as it gets and it falls short. They're trying there's something in their lives that is missing and they know they want to be with people but in the church you have what is true. It is a true fellowship. It's the absolute goal of our lives to meet together, to meet together often so that we can bring joy. If we don't meet together much, then we cannot take the joy to others that God has given to us and it bounces off of each other. I need joy from you. You need joy from me. Let's just keep that life flowing. You know, it's like it's like blood. And the church is really important. Paul saw what his duty was, he wanted that to continue. And uh you know we have the absolute truth. What we do is building up for an eternity. It's not just for the good time tonight. And then the next night, people get together in their clubs or even their family little things that they have. Those can be good. Family reunions, what have you. Uh, people have a natural draw sometimes to get together with other people. That's good, but there's really only one that is lasting. We have it right here. Just going right here. Right now, at this moment even. We have something in common. Jesus Christ, Lord of God, Holy Spirit. This is truth. And... Here we go. As in all messages. It's for one reason, ultimately. Verse 26. So that your proud confidence in me may abound in Christ Jesus through my coming to you again. The Greek is saying here in order that that your proud confidence may abound in Christ Jesus in me, he's not getting the glory here. Trying to take this such a proud confidence in Christ Jesus in me. It's not abounding in me, but it's the confidence that will abound in Christ Jesus, who is working in me, as Paul's saying unto me. Paul says he's working in me, but it's all the glory to Christ. The the word uh, abounding, it's it's dealing with overflowing, just exceedingly overflowing. When I come to you, Paul's saying, I want to see you grow spiritually, and that your joy would even increase. And we, we're starting to see what joy is, aren't we? As we look through this, and that your confidence will overflow to Christ, who is working in me. So, who's getting all the credit here? Jesus Christ. Christ gets the credit, all the glory. They're boasting in Christ Jesus who dwells in the different ones who are serving them. Paul, for instance. So, to die was to be with Christ. To live was to serve Christ. And that's all that matters. It doesn't matter what trouble we're in. Remember the back, going back to verse 12, what was his trouble? He was in jail. That wasn't the problem to Paul. No problem. It doesn't matter what the detractors do. You remember some were taking the Gospel and preaching it out there, but they were denouncing Paul. But they were preaching the Gospel right. Wrong motive. But it still was being proclaimed. And so even it didn't matter about the detractors. And we see that death didn't matter to Paul when we're faced with death. It still doesn't matter. So it doesn't matter whether we stay in the flesh. It doesn't matter whether we, we die. It's only that Christ would be preached. Christ would be proclaimed. Christ would be exalted. That is the reason we are here. Whether we say it, whether we sing it, whether we pray it, however we get it out with our lips, however we think it through our lives all day long, that is what it's all about. And once you do that, then you say secondly, that the church would be built up, that it would be edified. Paul sets the pattern for us to follow. Now, is that an example? High and lofty, isn't it? But that is what it's about. Got an application here. The gospel. Good news. You can say, oh, then I have to do something. Yeah, but let's look at it first. God has done done something for us in his son that we cannot do ourselves. So when we have an application, we know it's like, okay, here's what I do because of this. Yeah, but remember, it's not you're doing in itself that can do it. You're relying upon the very cross of Christ. It's what He has already done in the Son. What the Gospel does then, it gives us a joy that overflows because of what He did. And so therefore, we want to be selfless because we are dying to self. The more that we die to ourselves, the more we become selfless. And we seek the joy of others. You don't even have to make a point, well, I want to make that person joyful. If Christ is so living in you and abounding in you, that's going to bounce off out of your life. You don't have to say, well, oh, I've got to do this, got to do that. It's going to just flow out of your lives. If you've spent time with Him. Here's the questions we're going to ask ourselves as we get ready to close here. Are you convinced of your purpose on earth? We just talked about our purpose here on earth today, haven't we? Are we convinced of that? You say, yeah. Well, it was needful for for Paul. He saw what his purpose was, didn't he? It was needful for him to go ahead and do the work that God had done for him. Does your Christianity, does your Christian life focus on not only Christ, but progressing the gospel to others does, does your life focus on that for progress am, am I really wanting progress for others and is it for joy do you bring joy to other people and that's the idea. That's how we uh, continue to grow up. And believing the Gospel, believing this message here, to live as Christ, to die as being, if we really do that, then it comes out in the way that Paul put it in order right here in this text. That's an important section. Not because what I say, but because of what God has here. Aren't you glad you have this Gospel right here? Isn't this good news? We have the right way of looking at the way that God has in mind let's pray